Welcome to Always Authors, the literary podcast that presents two authors in candid conversation. On this episode, we're excited to bring you Carissa Orlando, whose debut novel, The September House, was released this fall. Carissa received a doctorate in clinical community psychology after first studying creative writing. An avid horror fan, it was only a matter of time before she merged her understanding of the human psyche and deep love for storytelling into a piece of fiction. Carissa is joined by Rachel Harrison, the national best-selling author of Black Sheep, Such Sharp Teeth, Cackle, and The Return, which was nominated for a Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in a First Novel. Carissa and Rachel will satisfy your love of horror with stories on their creative process, the importance of dressing the part, and how it's possible that one of them may have moved into a haunted house. Inspiration starts now. I'm good. How are you? How was your Halloween? It was it was very good, very low key. I actually, believe it or not, I spent some of it finishing your book. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I um knowing that this was coming, so the day of recording this is November 1st, so Halloween was yesterday. Um knowing that this was coming up kind of spurred me to move it to the top of my to be read list it's been i'd wanted to check it out since i know we did that that berkeley influencer event together and you you were very effective in your pitch of it and so i was like okay i'm gonna read this book and so this was my opportunity to read it but i was literally um handing out candy and in between handing out candy i was finishing i was reading the last several chapters of your book um, my husband actually is a picture of me. I wish I'd, I'd asked him to send it to me. Of, I'm dressed, I was dressed as a skeleton. So I'm in full skeleton garb with like a, this mask on sitting on the couch, reading your book, just like waiting for, for kids to come and, and get candy. I felt like it was a very appropriate way <laughs> to, to finish up your book. Yeah, it's a, uh, the the last third of the book is pretty dark, so it's, yeah. it's a fun juxtaposition of like being inside that world and then just opening the door to small children. <laughs> children, yeah. It was very like a, a little irritating at the end. I'm like, go go away, kids. I need to. We're really in the middle of it here. I need to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, hold on. Just leave the bowl out on yeah. the porch. <laughs> Just like, yeah, we're 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 into it now. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just suit yourself. Yeah, your book is the same way. Where the last, like third, is just absolutely wild, and it's so hard <laughs> to put it down. And I just so I read your book a while ago because I got it for. I got a sneak peek because I got to blurb it. So, and thank you for that. Oh, of course. But meanwhile, then I had to, the trouble with blurbing is when you read the book so far ahead of everybody else, then you just have to sit alone with it. And you don't get to like have that fun thing where you can read it with friends and be like, can you believe this is happening? Or listen to the author on a podcast and hear what they were thinking. But something that really struck me about your book was, how original it was so I was wondering 
what made you think of this concept and how did you kind of invent your own take on the haunted house? Yeah, I mean, so I'm like a, a huge horror movie fan, a good haunted or big haunted house movie fan as well. I keep joking that like, I, I have no standards of quality in horror movies. <laughs> I will watch the shittiest movie you have ever seen, like 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm there. And haunted house movies, I'm even like, yes. Like, I'm very excited to watch a bad haunted house movie. Um, so I've seen a bunch of them, and the tropes are very recognizable. If you've seen a lot of them, you kind of know. It's like, oh, family moves in, deal's too good to be true. Uh-oh, there's some things going bump in the night. It's getting worse. We realize what the evil is, and then we flee. And that's very much kind of the beat of all of them. And so I just had a random idea one morning when I was getting ready for work. Like, wouldn't it be funny if someone lived in a haunted house, but they were just totally fine with it? Like, there's just, like, there's blood dripping down the walls. They're, like, dodging ghosts, and they've just, like, found a way to live with it all. Like, horrors are happening, and they are just, they're just making their coffee. Um and I found that idea so, it just, just tickled me. Um, and it kind of spawned out of, out of that, of just how, how to survive a haunted house that maybe, maybe you shouldn't be trying so hard to survive. I related to it because I had just moved into a house and I was like, <laughs> I'm never leaving this house. Like it was such yes. a production to get into the house um, that I was like, now that I'm here, I'm never leaving. <laughs> so yes. I very much related to Margaret just being like, I'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel um, you on that. So like in between writing and then publishing, my spouse and I also bought a house and it was like the first house for either of us. And it really is a different take on it where it's like, I, mm -mm, like I am here. Like, um, I think this this might just be like a common courtesy staying in the south i don't know but they the previous tenants left us like a sizable crucifix like it's like that big we found it like hidden in one of our cabinets and we're like is this a bad sign and i'm just like i don't care like leave it where it is don't bother the crucifix we're not <laughs> we're not moving. This is, even if it's bad like, oh, forget it yeah we're gonna find a way to figure this out because this was an ordeal so I love that you have to borrow that and put it in a future book. Yeah. <laughs> it has a very bad omen quality, but we're just going to roll with it. It'll it be just... fine. Do you have a favorite haunted house movie? Um, I always cheat and I say Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House, the series on, yeah. on Netflix. I mean, you absolutely can't go wrong. Yes. Have you yeah. seen the new one, Usher? Yeah. Not yet, but I, I really want to. It's very on my list. Have you seen that yet? Yes, and I think you would you will like it because it's tonally a little bit different from his other stuff, and I think mm -hmm. people who enjoy the September House will enjoy Follow the House of Usher because it's fun and funny. Like there's still the emotional mm -hmm. depth, but. I feel like a lot of Flanagan's work can be heavy, like Midnight Mass. Mm -hmm. I was watching it and I was like, I feel too sad. Help me. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> and this was not that. This was like wild and 
just bananas and totally fun. Um, so I think, I think you will like it. Um, I'll have to check it out. Bly Manor. I don't know if you saw that one. I cried for like 20 minutes after it was over. Yeah. (laughs) The ending of that one is particularly Mm -hmm. heartbreaking. Yeah. But I, if you don't want to be emotionally crushed, then Usher is, <laughs> is the Flanagan <laughs> one to go with. Yes. Um, have you always been? Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask if you've always been a fan of the horror genre, or did you come to it later? It, I guess it kind of crept up on me. I've more or less always been a fan of it. Like, even when I was young, I would read those, like, scary stories to tell in the dark with, like, the nightmare-inducing illustrations, um, and like goosebumps and things like that and I would like as as I got a little older like seek out horror movies and 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 whatnot so I've always been into it I read a lot of Stephen King when I was younger which I think is like the origin story of a lot of modern horror writers Um, and but as I got older and older just gradually started to take over where it was like I my husband is thrilled if he is able to get me to watch a movie that's not a horror movie. Um, I'm pretty much only reading horror books now. It's kind of, I'm just slowly turning it into my thing. I'm very, I'm very into it. Um, what about you? What's your horror origin story? So I describe it like a, a rom-com. Like it's very, like I had my clueless I love Josh moment with horror when I was in college when I was younger I was so afraid of everything and I reacted so strongly to horror that I Hmm. thought like this is not for me I don't like this um like anytime I would watch a horror movie I'd be terrified for months after like when I saw the Blair Witch Project it took me a good six months to recover (laughs) um so I always was like well you know, you're a baby, you can't handle it. And so I stayed away from it. And when I got to college, two things happened. One, I had a roommate who was super into it, um, like sat us all down one snowy weekend and was like, we're watching the Kubrick Shining. We're watching (laughs) the TV movie Shining. Like we're watching the ring, like just really was immersed in it. And just Mm -hmm. by nature of being roommates, I kind of was exposed to it more. And then the other thing that happened was I was um, studying screenwriting and I was in a screenwriting club and there was a contest. It was a horror writing, horror screenplay contest. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to participate. So that's when I started looking at the genre a little bit differently Mm -hmm. and approaching it more like being more analytical when I was watching the movies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when everything clicked for me and I was like oh like I I love this like it's making me feel a lot but that's a good thing and I should lean into that Mm -hmm. um so ever since then I've I've been a fan of horror and I I mean I'm still a scaredy cat but (laughs) no I feel that a lot because I'm also an incredibly anxious person and that was even more true when I was a child where I, I would scare pretty easy. I got upset pretty easy. Like, I'm a worry ward if that's always been the case. But there is something about horror. Um, and I think that it's that that safety. It almost feels, which is strange, but that this notion of, like, you're feeling a lot, like you said. Like, you're feeling scared. You're feeling anxious. There's a lot going on. But 
you personally are safe. Like you're cuddled yes. up under the blanket and you know, it's not happening to you, even though later at night when like you hear a noise, <laughs> you might be thinking it's about to happen to you. Um, but I don't know, there's just something kind of lovely about that. Yeah, it's a safe space to feel scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to feel all those those big feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I don't, there's something, I'm going to dip into psychology territory because that's my day job, but we, we spend a lot of time as humans like resisting feeling those strong feelings because it doesn't feel very pleasant. And so there is something nice about kind of acknowledging like, I'm going to feel something very strongly right now. Like I'm going to intentionally step into this and I trust in my capacity to deal with it. And I, I know that it's all going to be okay. And horror, I think, is a fantastic avenue for that. Because we all get scared, even if we don't want to feel scared. Especially these days. <laughs> yeah. Just looking, at the, <laughs> looking out the window at the hellscape. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about your day job. Because when I first read The September House, I pulled up your bio and was like, oh, I just think it's so interesting that you have the background in psychology because it's very, reading the book, it makes sense. But I wanted to hear you talk more about your, I'm only writing right now, so I would love to hear about your job. I find it fascinating. So, and also then how you transitioned into publishing or now that you're doing both, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now it's truly a both sort of situation, so we'll see how that continues to go. But yeah, my day job is I, I have a PhD in uh, clinical psychology. I My population of interest, I work with like children and adolescents, kind of broadly speaking. My literal job right now is I work for the university, and um, I'm not going to say their name in case they don't like all the curse words I dropped during this, <laughs> but it's in my book flap. I don't know why I'm hiding it. Um, But I teach and train uh, graduate students who are also getting their PhD in clinical psychology. So I do a lot of supervision, a lot of kind of how-tos of therapy, and eventually I'm going to maybe work back into seeing a client or two because I kind of miss it. Um, But I'm very like my nine to five, broadly speaking, or 10 to six is all mental health and thinking about mental health and thinking about how best to address mental health issues and then how best to teach people to do that. And then I go home and I write horror. (laughs) (laughs) That's such an interesting balance. (laughs) Did you always want to be a writer? Like how did it, how did the September house come to be? How did you break into Mm -hmm. publishing? Yeah. I feel like my story is so boring because it's weirdly straightforward where I'm like, I, I did always want to be a writer when I was younger. I wanted to publish books, but I had this thought of like, maybe that's not a basket we want to put all of our eggs into because it is so, I mean, even now having done it, it does feel like such a crapshoot. Like it's so random of like, you need to query the right agent at the right time and then they find the right editor and publishing house at the right time and it depends on where the market is and so there's so much that is outside of your control or at least it felt like to me and so I, I was like 
let's maybe pursue a job that has a little bit more, I don't know, that I can feel more comfortable putting my eggs into the basket of. So I went with the psychology route because it fascinated me. Um, and for some reason just decided that I wanted to be in school for like 12 fucking years. <laughs> so then I did that. Um, and in fin as I was finishing up the degree, I had a lot of free time and absolutely no idea how to handle free time because I hadn't had it for like six years and got the idea and a burst of inspiration. It just kind of came out and I thought it didn't suck. So I queried, <laughs> queried for a year, which was super fun and demoralizing. And um, my agents at Folio picked me up and found me, it found me a home at Berkeley, and I'm eternally ah, grateful to all of that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very curious. I'm stoked and a little jealousy. You're just writing right now. Um, I'm curious about what your journey was and how you got into this wonderful profession. So I, I went to college for screen, well, I entered college as a marketing major because I was like, that's a smart thing to do, like yeah. you were saying about putting eggs <laughs> yeah. in the basket. I was like, that's a career I could like make money in and like have a 401k. <laughs> and then after one semester, I was like writing screenplays for fun in my spare time and was like, I'm gonna switch my major and bet on myself. Aww, um, nice. And, <laughs> and, um, Things were going pretty good. I won that horse writing screen, screen con, screenplay contest. I interned at Focus Features my senior year. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated. And it wasn't a great time to graduate. I graduated in December 2010. Mm -hmm. um, and it was hard to find a job. And mm -hmm. I kind of couldn't crack. Like, I should have stayed in LA, but. I'm originally from New Jersey. I'm way more comfortable in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I was in New York. I got a job as a production assistant on the newlywed game, oh, how? which is still on, or was at least in, in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like working 14 hour production days oh. and I worked on another game show after that. And then I worked uh, at a TV lighting company. <laughs> and then I worked as a temp in publishing contracts mm -hmm. at McGraw-Hill, and then I worked in contracts at Penguin Random House, oh, <laughs> and oh. then I worked as an executive assistant at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and so that was like all through my 20s of just mm -hmm. like desperately trying to support myself, and um, I was also writing throughout that whole time, and mm -hmm. you know trying to kind of keep that love and skill set alive and mm -hmm. then while I was at JP Morgan Chase I wrote um, The Return and it was like you where I was like hey this doesn't suck <laughs> um, and I had like kind of a weird thing happen where I was about to start querying and there's a Twitter pitch contest called Pit Dark oh wow yeah and Part of me was a little skeptical. I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do it. Like, I'll want to go the traditional way and query. Mm -hmm. But I said, eh, I'll give it a try. Mm -hmm. And I called out of work. And <laughs> I did it. And I found my agent. Um, oh, that's awesome. And then 
like two weeks later we took it out on sub and then two weeks after that the book sold and um and i stayed at, at jp morgan until um the pandemic and then after that uh ended up being full-time <laughs> so uh that's kind of my <laughs> long strange cool. journey but uh, yeah i mean it's a lot of luck and it's um all hard work but luck too <laughs> a lot of a lot of luck yeah and i know that that thing you're talking about on twitter pit dark i think i like threw my hat into that ring when i was querying that's so cool that that's how you found your agent uh, yeah what, do you remember I, what your what your little twitter pitch was i think i have it saved somewhere but it was something like the shining but about female friendship and <laughs> julie it was this for the return and julie disappeared and then she came back but she's different and they go to a weird hotel and blah. <laughs> so, i mean the return is like a very high concept book so it was easy to pitch um mm -hmm. but yeah i was just as shocked that it because <laughs> it does work for people but i think i was a bit snobby and was like nothing good can come of Twitter, which I was mostly right. <laughs> but, but. Yeah, that, I mean, in general, that's what you want to bet on with yes. Twitter. Very little good will come of it. But I think when it comes to trying to break in, just shooting your shot yeah. in general is so important. And I think even now, as a writer, shooting your shot like can feel weird. Like, it took me a while, like when my first book came out, um, I mean, granted, it came out during... It came out in March of 2020, which is oh, not boy. a good time to be, like, <laughs> out in the world. So I was yeah. didn't have a, much of a chance to go to bookstores and things. But mm -hmm. once things opened up again, getting the courage to just introduce myself to booksellers and be like, that's my book. Uh -huh. And I think it's hard as writers to sometimes, more often than not, we're introverts and have trouble yeah. putting ourselves out there. But... Mm -hmm. I think over the last four years, I found that like just walking into a bookstore and introducing yourself, or if you want to do an event, mm -hmm. to just ask for it mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there is like it's good to just shoot your shot. If you want something, ask for it. The yeah. worst that anyone can say is no. It, yeah, exactly. That's that's like I think tremendously good advice, especially for like even just as something as simple as like the querying process, like. The, what's the, literally the worst thing that could happen is that you get turned down, which you will. Yeah. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> but like someone might not. And so, yeah, just try, just go for it, man. That's excellent, excellent advice. I wanted to ask you, because I think as a writer, work like working now, social media is such a huge, there's so much like, pressure not necessarily from the publisher but just in general to be on social media and promote are you on social media or are you kind of were like no I'm not gonna do it I am not on social media although I've, at least daily I have the same mental argument which is like you should get a Twitter for your writing thing so people can find you and you can promote yourself and then 10 seconds later I'm like no you're prioritizing your mental health yeah <laughs> So that's that's why I'm avoiding all of that is because I I could see it very easily being like 
not cool for my mental health and so I'm trying to deprioritize that so I am really trying hard to focus on not being findable um and that's but like yeah. you can now have like a kind of mystique like <laughs> by not being on it <laughs> I am mysterious like I'm yes yeah I'm not that mysterious um but you have you you're online right oh you're yeah on social media <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I I think there was before I got published, um, there was, I think, articles that came out about being like, publishers will look at how many followers you have on Twitter and social media. And so I think I always felt this like pressure to, to have that online presence. And um, I mean, it's not necessarily true. I think I had like 200 followers when I got... <laughs> um, when I ended up getting the deal for the return. Mm -hmm. But it's it's hard now once, now that I'm on it to be like, oh, maybe I should get off. I did get Instagram before the return came out just because I felt maybe I should. And there's some days where it's not great for my mental <laughs> health. Sometimes, randomly, it'll be fun and it's cool to connect with readers, but it's just interesting in this, in this current landscape as authors feeling like mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the right balance to have. Mm -hmm. and, um, and also, as you know, as, I think aspiring writers who are aspiring to be published, it can be a good tool to connect with people mm -hmm. so there's that too but yeah it's 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 hard to know where the line is between protecting your mental health and yeah. being like ah I have to promote my book yeah and I also have so I have like my personal social media which I try and keep locked down yeah um, and so I do like some book promotion on there, but then I just feel like an asshole because I'm just posting about my book all the time. It's like, but I think people just want to look at each other's friends' kids. Like, I'm not sure they want to yeah. see, my, see my book stuff going on. So I was like, maybe it could be beneficial to have like, all right, if you're actually interested in my book stuff, you can follow me here. And also a place to funnel people that do want to connect so they don't have to like deep dive Google me and try and figure yeah. out how to reach, which just makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, but I'm always balancing, always balancing that. Do you have, I'm curious, do you have like, tips or tricks for managing the, the sanity with the social media experience? Writer friends, having yeah. uh, other writer friends who are like, mm -hmm. who you feel like can kind of be like coworkers almost. <laughs> like, so you can have like that water cooler talk of like, well, you know. Yeah. Uh, I got tagged in a bad review today. Uh, I hate when that happens. Like just to have that somebody to commiserate with, because mm. I feel like it, it's, it's, or to just talk about being like, oh, I feel like I have to, you know, I have to post or someone will forget about me. Just being able to talk to mm. another writer about that and have them understand, I think, is extremely helpful. Mm. And also, do not go on Goodreads. I cannot tell you how many writer <laughs> friends I have who are like, 
and checked Goodreads today. And I'm like, why would you do that to yourself? It's not for you. Great boundaries, yeah. great boundaries. Oh my God. I try to, I avoid that. Like I try to avoid like all reviews, like the plague. And I have one friend who's just not a writer friend. who's like, your one review, your one star reviews crack me up. And I'm like, don't, don't, don't tell me about that. that. I can't. You don't understand. My brain can't take it. Yeah. But I think it's good to know yourself and just to know your own. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, my friends who check good their own Goodreads, they can maybe handle it. Yeah. And I, I know that I can't, so I yeah. don't. Um, but I think it's just like that with anything, you know, being on social media is going to be tough even if you're not even if you're not a writer you know, yeah. it's just a, a very interesting um interesting space yeah it it's a really horror is. novel it's a horror story within itself yes it's just a horror story begging to be written For um sure. speaking of writing horror stories a lot of i was very impressed with the level of craft in the September house because it's your I mean for a debut novel to have all of the the layers and some of the twists in there how did you go about crafting the book did you write an outline are you an outliner plotter panster like when you sat down to start working on it with your like little gem of an idea where did it, what did you do next yeah I'm, I'm kind of, I guess it's like a, a planster where I have an outline, but I'm not so, it's not so detailed of an outline that it doesn't allow for flexibility. Um, I usually won't start a story until I have like at least a rough like beginning, end, and some vague idea of how we're going to get to these two places. Um, and so that was kind of the same for September House. So like I knew... How I knew roughly what the the beginning was, the inciting incident, and I at the time I believed I knew the ending. The ending went through multiple iterations <laughs> until it got to the current ending, um, and I had like a vague sense of like, all right, these are some of the big plot points we're gonna hit, and like, you know, here's part of the story that's gonna be told present day. This is some of the past stuff we need to get through, um, and then I was able to just kind of give myself the freedom to, to write. And I think that writing the September house taught me like a cool lesson where I think I started a little bit more heavy on the, the outlining side was like, I need to know everything that's going to happen or else what, what even is this story, but having instances where, um, and I'm curious to know if you relate to this as well, where like you're just writing a paragraph and like something just kind of springs into your mind and you're like, Oh, that's interesting. And then it becomes like a whole important part of the plot or like a character that you initially envisioned being one way shows up and they're like, actually I'm this completely different way. And I, I want a big role in this story. I'm like, Oh, okay, well let's, let's find some things for you to do, buddy. And it's, it's so, it's, it feels very magical. This is where I start getting into like weird writer talk or I'm just like, I let the story tell itself. And that's like, it's cool when stuff like that happens. Yeah, I'm a bit more, I'm a, between, I tend to be more like, let's just see where the story goes. Yeah. And then my, our poor editor, 
uh, has to come in and, and be like, but what if stuff happens? <laughs> um, and just um, like blows my mind with genius notes. Um, mm-hmm. But I try, I try to outline more because I do think it is helpful because often I will get, I'll have like a cool idea and I'll be like, oh, I have a cool idea and I'll sit down with my cool idea and I'll be like, take me away. And then I'll get like 30,000 words in and be like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> so out of idea. Oh no. Yeah. This cool idea just like up and was like, that's it. Um, so I, I, you know, it's, I'm still learning, like I'm working on the next book now, which will be my fifth book. Yeah. And each one is different and each one has its own set of challenges. Um, like up until Black Sheep, my protagonist always just arrived fully formed. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm here to tell the story. <laughs> um, and then with Black Sheep, I had this cool concept and I needed a very specific protagonist to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And I just could not, like, she just was be- being very, like, coy and just not. Um, Which I feel like that weirdly fits for Vesper. Like, she, Yeah, it is. It's totally she's her, where like, she was just like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to just you're gonna have to work for me. I am. <laughs> like, yeah. uh. um, and I was talking to my agent, and she had read a draft, which was like beat for beat and outline I turn in, but which was not yeah. working. Um, and she was like, what if Vesper worked at like an Applebee's and like needed like flair? And I was like, <laughs> that's it. And then I started writing and there, then she showed up. Mm-hmm. She was, that was like my into the character. Oh, that's so, so cool. It's hard, but I, I, you can sit down and outline everything specifically and it could mm-hmm. seem amazing but it might not work on the page like yeah. you really it I do think it needs well at least not for me <laughs> maybe some people could just be like this is my vision and perfectly execute um so sometimes the surprises are joys and make the mm-hmm. book magic mm-hmm. and sometimes the surprises <laughs> are not fun <laughs> surprises like, oh no <laughs> I'll one of my pitfalls with uh, with outlining is I'll have like a very, I think, ambitious writing idea that it's easy to be like, and then I'll write this layered, like, multi-dimensional unfold over time and be like so just genius. And then like my future self is like, all right, with what skill set? Yeah. <laughs> this is you've written like mm, I don't know about it. Yeah, ambitious ideas. Yeah, which like, that would be amazing. Yeah. And then like, and that's another thing where. Um, it's you get into a stage of publishing where you have to pitch your next idea. Like mm-hmm. with the first book, you write the book and then you turn up and you're like, here it is. Help me. Do you yes. like it? <laughs> and they take that and you work on it. And the next one, you kind of are like, so this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And so if you pitch the idea, then you have to make good on your pitch. Yeah. Which, which is like yeah. a new thing. That is exactly where I'm at right now. <laughs> Like, I pitched one of many ideas, <laughs> and one of them landed. And so I'm like, yay, an idea, finally. And so now I'm writing it, and I'm like, ah. 
I told you I was like, if you say I'm going to show up with a pizza, you have to show up with the I pizza. <laughs> like, what if instead of a pizza, it's raw dough? And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. It, but I think the longer I do it, I'm like, I've been in these jams before and I've always yeah. come out the other side. <laughs> so you'll come out the other side. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Um, I know for, for me with writing, I call like the middle bits the worst. So because I usually know how it's going to begin, how it's going to end, but the middle, I'm just like, you'll figure it out. Um, and so when I'm in the middle bits is usually when I have my like, what is writing moments where it's like, this is a nonsensical pile of crap that no one's going to understand, but me. And I'm starting to feel that. And I'm like, it could be that I'm in the middle bits and like, I emerge out of it by the end. And when I do like... Once I have a, a draft that I can cobble together and like read through linearly, I'm like, okay, there's actually a story here. So yeah, I um, working on this last book, I had a little bit of a nervous breakdown <laughs> in the middle of writing it, and I hit a wall. And there was like a day where I was just like in like just in my feelings, and mm-hmm. I called my friend May Cobb. And I was like, who was a, a writer, uh, her most recent book is A Likeable Woman. And I was like, I'm going through it. And she's oh. like, well, how far into you, into it are you? I was like, I'm th- 30,000 words. She's like, oh, well, that's why you're 30,000 <laughs> words. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. And then I was able to calm down and push through. So sometimes, mm-hmm. it, again, it just helps to have other writers to be like, oh, 30, well, duh, you're having a breakdown. It's mm-hmm. 30,000 words. Like, that's the point. We all have our little yeah. breakdowns and then we keep going and it works out it's like when kids hit adolescence or something like your your draft is a teenager and you just want to punch it in the face because it's being a dick (laughs) but you can't that's exactly it (laughs) that is exactly it the the teenage years yeah well they'll get through it so i'm i'm curious about the new novel i it sounds like you're around 30k but like where where are you at? I'm, like, I'm in edits now. I wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't oh, yeah, have publicly yeah. been like, um, <laughs> because I didn't, wouldn't want to give our editor my agent a heart attack. Um, we're being like, I'm really struggling. Um, I'm, I'm in edits <laughs> with the book. Everything's fine, Jess. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm in edits now. Um, Yay. And it's, it's a sort of vampire, Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. It's called So Thirsty. Um, and so hopefully I will deliver on the edits. Um, but what are you working on? Can you, are you still like, it's a teenager, I don't want to talk about it. It's, I mean, it's, it's still a teenager, I don't want to talk about it. So, well, um, it's, it's, very, it's, it's a first draft situation, um, but I am working on something. I, it will be a book one day. Um, I think it's going to be not similar themes, but like, recognizable to you can be like oh I see how the same person that wrote the September house wrote wrote this and that there's going to be themes related to to mental health um family relationships supernatural heebie-jeebies scary hopefully scary maybe some dark (laughs) some dark humor in there because I can never resist the dark humor same Um, and that's good news um (laughs) I think good news for all readers out there I'm seeing so much being on social media I see constantly see such love for the September house 
So I think that'll be a big selling point for people. I'm like, oh, the next Carissa Arena novel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopefully so, from your lips to the general public's ears. <laughs> but yeah, but with, uh, speaking with, with humor, because there was a lot of humor in Black Sheep as well. There were like lines that had me like literally laughing out loud. Um, yeah, just very, very good humor within the subject matter. Um, I, I don't know. I appreciate that kind of merging of horror and humor. And it, it sounds like you do as, as well of like kind of laughing at these dark themes. Um, yeah, I, just, I just think it's a very human response yeah. humor. Mm -hmm. I think I the best example I can give is... I was at my friend's wedding. It was the night before the wedding, mm -hmm. and she had rented out um, a big house, an Airbnb, to hold the wedding. Mm -hmm. And she was there, her husband-to-be was there, and a few of us bridesmaids were there. And just as the sun set over the distant hills, this house is like completely remote, mm -hmm. the power went out. Whoa. And we were like, this is a horror movie. We're all going to get murdered. But we were laughing about it. And we we're all like, Rachel's going to be the first to die. And then I was pouting. But like, when you're in a horror novel or a horror movie, your characters don't know they're in a horror novel mm -hmm. or horror movie. So I think humor is just a very natural response. And mm -hmm. when ridiculous things happen, kind of have to laugh at them mm -hmm. so to me they just go hand in hand and it feels I try and write horror that's even though it's supernatural and I think you're the same it's still grounded in reality there's something real mm -hmm. that we're trying to explore in these books and so if it is grounded in reality then to me there's of course going to be humor because mm -hmm. that's real life mm-hmm yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's just, to, it almost like regrounds it in reality, the humor of like, there's some bonkers shit going on. And like, let's just all acknowledge the bonkers nature of the shit that's happening. Yeah. And, and humor does such a fantastic job with that. Like when you found that crucifix in your cabinet, <laughs> I'm sure you weren't like immediately like, oh, you were probably like, what is this? Like cracking jokes about it. Like, that's the natural mm -hmm. response to that, not mm -hmm. immediately like, the house is haunted, we're doomed. <laughs> yeah. Ha <laughs> ha, oh, house is haunted. <laughs> that would be, like, imagine though, if you moved into a haunted house, no one would believe you. They'd yeah. be like, this is a marketing gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be like, serves you right. You, you <laughs> poked the ghosts and now they will have their revenge. How dare you mock them. Yeah, the ghosts. Do you ever worry about that as a horror author where it's like, maybe I've stirred up some shit? I do, and this is so superstitious. As not as a horror writer, but I'm afraid that if someone asks me if I believe in ghosts, I'm afraid to say no because I'm afraid that the ghosts will be like, they're going to call my bluff. <laughs> they're going to be like, well, yeah. you don't believe in ghosts yet. So now I feel I, I very equivocate. I'm like, you know, I haven't seen any, but I'm open to, you know. All right. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite ghost in the September house? Like, if you could take one of those ghosts and hang and have them in your house for a day, just a day, because mm -hmm. a long-term situation might be too much, 
Which ghost? I, I think Frederica, hands down, because she's yeah. helpful. <laughs> Make you a cup of tea. Yeah, as long as it's not September, which is when she gets very unhelpful. Um, and even then, she'd just be rearranging furniture and hiding things. Like, maybe it would Im improve the feng shui or something. But, yeah, to Frederica, she's nice. She can kind of talk to her. She's got a massive head wound, but you, you get used to that eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I keep I keep her around. Good I'll choice. Hiding up the place, yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking in, in your book with um with Constance's house and all of the horror memorabilia there. I was like, I don't know if this is a normal human response, but I'm like, I want to live there. <laughs> I want I want to be in a horror memorabilia house. Like that's my goals. Would you? Would you enjoy that, or would that just be nightmare-inducing? I think I would enjoy it, especially Bart. Bartholomew is the mm -hmm. um, skeleton that's in a giant, yeah. like, human skeleton that's in a bell jar by the door. I really want a skeleton, um, but uh, my husband, bless him, is like, maybe, 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 no, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not have a... Because my, I would put it in my office, and my office is the first room when you walk into the house. So, um, like maybe, maybe you know, <laughs> it's very supportive. But, like I have my skulls everywhere, but it's like, maybe just not. So, uh, <laughs> I would like to live in Constance's house so I could have my skeleton when you walk in the door. <laughs> that is very cool. I, I liked that a lot of her just being nonchalantly being like hi, <laughs> saying hello to it. We yeah. bought just like the, the like the six foot like the plastic skeletons for Halloween. I say we I bought them and then I told my <laughs> husband about them later. Um, so we've got two of them on our front porch. Um, for and I, I bought them like in September, so it's like they went up and they immediately went out. And then I realized we do have to keep them somewhere. Um, and my idea of just slapping uh, Santa hats on them. And keeping them up until January was vetoed, <laughs> so I do have to find a place to keep my two my two life size plastic skeletons. And I think I'm just in the guest room. Put them in various places around the house to surprise. <laughs> he pulls back the bed, the duvet in the winter. Yeah, it's just a skeleton there. You didn't want them in Santa hats, so <laughs> yeah. So how about there's just one at the dining room table. Here's one in your closet. It's a big deal. Yep. <laughs> it's really fun being married to a horror yeah. author, I assume. I was just thinking, like, we do, there needs to be, like, a support group for spouses of horror people. Yeah. <laughs> just all the crap that they put up with. <laughs> well, I think we have hit time. Yeah. I could continue talking to you forever. This was so fun yeah. and I hope everybody picks up the September house yes. I'm very also black like, sheep <laughs> it's November 1st that when we record this and mm -hmm. us horror authors on November 1st are always like you can read horror all year yeah. it's a, the nightmare <laughs> September before house Christmas in February yeah yeah exactly nightmare before Christmas only 365 more days until Halloween <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, it was great talking to you, Carissa, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Yes, it was great talking to you as well.
Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about our other episodes. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment.